Delivering great-tasting product to your customers is important. Saving energy, space, and improving operational efficiencies is good for your bottom line. A perfect choice for convenience retailers, Adande Refrigeration's patented modular units deliver so many efficiencies, it's no wonder brands such as Sheets and Get-Go are installing these temperature-stable, hold-the-cold fridges across their U.S. food courts. When it comes to refrigeration, convenience is at the very heart of Adande Refrigeration. Learn how you can excel in food service, save time, space, and energy with Adande Refrigeration at adande.co.uk or adande.com. Professionals in the know, choose Adande. You're listening to Shop Talk Live, the podcast, brought to you by Global Convenience Store Focus. Shop Talk Live is a unique video and podcast series featuring senior retail executives in the global convenience, fuels, and mobility retail industry, hosted by Dan Munford and Carolyn Schneer. Well, welcome to Shop Talk Live. I'm talking about my favorite subject. Of course, it's mobility. Um, I post too much on this, um, but uh, I'm not going to stop. Craig, you're you're not going to stop talking about mobility either. Thank you for co-hosting today. Certainly, we 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 won't be stopping talking about it uh, anytime soon, and, and we're delighted that you've invited us on on this one, Dan. Thank you. Well, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, we're talking about e-mobility with a leader here in Europe, and especially, of course, the Nordics, as we've seen on the road, Craig, over the last um, year or last years, really, in in Denmark, Sweden, and of course in in Norway. That's of course Circle K. Um, so, um, so Craig, why don't we get on with that? And um, perhaps I, I can invite um, Christian Elnaby, who's um, director, head of and head of finance and strategy for global e-mobility at Circle K. Welcome, Christian. Thank you, Dan. Um, uh, thank you for having me on the show. Well, well, absolutely. Let me let me do you justice, Christian, and, and just introduce your role, which I think in itself is interesting. Um, so you in, you've been at Circle K for 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 some years. Um, you joined Circle K e-mobility two years ago, though, didn't you? And you were previously before that CFO with the the Danish business. Uh, of Circle K, and um, so you very much got a strategic background, and I know you also played a key role in, in I guess, one of the big moves uh, in the European industry uh, of recent years, which was the the acquisition of Total Energies on behalf of the, the Circle K parent company Alimentation Couchetard. So um, you know, very you've got a very strategic um, sort of perspective on on all these big things that Craig, you know, we've been talking about. Um, I I I sort of single that 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 out the uh, the e mobility team because you've got um, you lead sixty employees focused on e mobility in the Oslo in an Oslo office, don't you? And you've got another seventy who again uh, are focused on e mobility uh, in um, but from an IT perspective in the Warsaw market. So that's interesting. Yeah, not me personally, but uh, together with my management team, uh, yes, we're heading heading up. Uh... Uh, a super engaged group here in Oslo and, and in Warsaw, yes. And Christian, I mean, super busy times for you. I mean, you know, we all know that it, it's an exciting time in, in EV. We, we know that the, you know, the, the future is coming quicker than I think any of us uh, expected, which is often the case. But but could you just, for, for uh, certainly for Maya and everyone else's broader interest, could you just give us a little little overview of the of the history of the, of the Kushtar business? Absolutely. Uh, the first Kushtar store uh, in Laval, in the Quebec region of Canada, uh, which was then opened by our founder, Alain Bouchard, um, in 1980, so 43 years ago today. 
And uh, if it turns like to the next one, uh, this is sort of highlighting very much sort of the journey we've been on ever since. Uh, he, together with his co-founders, uh, he expanded uh, his business quite rapidly in Canada uh, for the first years. And in 2000, he moved into the US. Uh, and through that, uh, the first major acquisition, which was Circle K, um, in 2012, uh, they made a first entry into Europe through the acquisition of Stock of Fuel Retail. And uh, several of my colleagues here in the European office are all SFR employees. Um, in 2015, uh, we are global rebranding into our and launch of our new global brand, Circle K. And since then, it has been a very much a, sort of a a combination of organic growth and, uh, and structural growth through acquisitions. And now, uh, most recently in March, where we announced the uh, acquisition of uh, the retail assets in Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, and uh, Luxembourg from Total Energies, which is a super exciting and I had the privilege of acting as project lead in this transaction, which was sort of an 18 month journey. Uh, and we have an ambition to to close this transaction uh, by end of this year. Now, uh, located across several continents, we have more than 14,000 stores globally. Uh, the vast majority of them in North America still, but uh, Europe is catching up quite rapidly, especially with the Total Energies acquisition soon to close. Um, and uh, speaking of that, uh, we have an interesting slide on that. Uh, if we move to the next one, uh, it is a transformative acquisition for us. Uh, we're expanding our network in Europe with uh, more than 80%. And we're moving really into the heart of continental Europe and into some of the most strongest economies in Europe today. Um, and we're doing that from a very strong position in Northern Europe. Uh, we are the number one player in six out of our eight markets in uh, Europe today. And we're taking very, very strong positions here in Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg. And then from an EV perspective, which we're going to talk about more today, uh, it is a super interesting move as well. Uh, if we are to choose uh, which markets do we want to expand from, from Scandinavia and uh, Ireland where we are today, it is into these regions. Uh, you see the EV adoption rates from 20 up to 30% in the Netherlands. So these are very, very attractive markets for, for us from an EV perspective as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting, uh, really interesting point, really. It's, it's the, the, and, and of course, the EV model is, is something you're, you know, you're pretty happy with, isn't it, and across the Scandinavian market. So you're kind of EV ready, aren't you, uh, Christian, for, for these very, uh, you know, attractive Germany um, German and uh, and Dutch market opportunities. Yeah, I think we we have gained very valuable experience uh, since we started up in 2017, and uh, several of our sort of the people who, who started this journey are still with us and in the management team. Um, but we're still in a learning phase, and uh, we're uh, still don't have all the answers on to sort of. What is the, the, the insight we have gained in, in Norway first and then Scandinavia? How applicable are these when we now expand into continental Europe? And that is something we want to 
sort of uh, validate now going forward. But uh, what is absolutely certain is that we have gained very valuable experience in, uh, say, the most advanced EV market in the world. Uh, absolutely, hundred percent. Just thinking about EV adoption, um, you know, what are the the primary drivers for EV adoption? Yeah, I think uh, as as we see it, we have we have three sort of factors which is more than others driving the EV adoption. And and first of all, it is regulation, and and here we see authorities using both the carrot and the stick, so to say, uh, in in driving transition to EV. Um, using the stick in terms of restricting access in especially urban areas for fossil fuel cars, making it not uh, possible to park during certain uh, time periods or certain uh, areas. But where we see that they have been particularly successful is using the carrot. And here I think Norway has been a very care front runner uh, in this area by introducing the strong incentives for buying an EV car where they uh, have the zero duty policy, which really accelerated the, the EV sales in Norway. And then not only buying the car, but then also actually driving it and owning it, where you can pass toll roads for free, you can park for free in public areas. And this is now recently changed to from fully free to heavy discounted, but this has been a very successful formula. And, and, and we see, the opposite impact of this, uh, we saw it in Denmark, where they were also very early off the blocks in introducing strong incentives for the acquisition of an EV. But then I believe it was in 16 or 17 or something that they uh, overnight seized those incentives and uh, EV sales went from a fairly sort of high level down to close to zero. And the Tesla Model S, for example, went from being a very attractive car to a sort of super luxury car. Yeah. Uh, Denmark has now reintroduced those incentives and and we see that EV sales are very much picking up again there. Craig, I know, I know, well, it's an interesting point. Craig, I know you, we were talking about whether European governments are rowing back a bit on, mm. on, on carrot and stick legislation. I mean, what's your view on that, Craig? Well, Dan, I think it's a, it's a, I mean, it's clear that, that governments have influenced um, adoption over the over the last years, and, and as Christian quite rightly says, particularly in Norway. Um, I think my my fear is we had a following wind up until about a year ago, and everybody, you know, the direction of travel was was right, the environmental um, story was right behind it. It it just feels a little bit in the last month or two or, or perhaps quarter that, that governments seem to be rowing back a little bit on their commitment to you know the, to the environmental legislation that that they've all signed signed up to um which is obviously on, on one level um shocking well um, i guess I, i'm just wondering whether we're more influenced to think that because of what's happened in the uk christian as you'll be aware the government have rowed back from 2030 to 2035 so that's definitely made an impression in the UK. Everyone's talking about it at the different EV events I'm, <laughs> I, I've been to. But I guess, I guess in Denmark they've, they've re- perhaps they've realised their error and they've reintroduced um, uh, attractive um, legis- legislation on this. Yeah, I think, uh, and we see sort of the the growth rates in in EV car sales uh, is uh, sort of somewhat behind Sweden, but uh, showing very very positive numbers. Uh, so I think. 
authorities have a big influence here, but it, but it's not sort of only them who has it. Uh, another factor is the customer acceptance and sort of how attractive is it to move from having a fossil fuel car to an EV car. And here we have seen sort of a very, very, very big shift in the last three years. First of all, driven by the driving range of an EV car. It, it is now sort of fully compatible to have an EV car versus a fossil fuel car in terms of driving range. And, and also it is a number of models in the market. Uh, I believe today there are more than 100 models available in Norway if you want to buy an EV. And um, so uh, sort of the selection of cars is, is massive. And you see the Tesla Model Y being the absolutely most sold car in, in Norway, I think uh, three times as much as the number two. Uh, and also- and Christian, you, you know, the, the manufacturers will say that, you know, the, the, um, the satisfaction with EVs is, is, is super high. You know, when, when people make that commitment, they're certainly very happy with their with their purchase. We'll, we'll we'll come on later to your tremendous figures on on EV charging uptime, which was uh, you know in the early days that was obviously a, a little bit of a stumbling block. But but we we say at Shopbox the research that we do, um, you know Caroline, who's our head of research, often says you know how do you know when someone owns an EV, and and the answer is because they tell you, because <laughs> you know, they're, they're just they're so happy with it. Um, and, and, it, it, and it's not only manufacturers who say this, uh, the, the consumers say it as well. I think uh, there was a recent EV survey in Norway where uh, sort of the sort of, uh, satisfaction rate on the EV among the EV owners are super high. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly, exactly. Uh, right. and, uh, and also, I think in parallel with this number of models available, the driving range on those, I think, we in the industry has been, uh, without patting ourselves too much on the back, but I think we have been quite successful in rolling out charging networks in recent years as well. So, uh, well, I think that's... this is, you know, I think this is a key point, Christian. And I was, I was, I'm pleased you mentioned this because, I mean, do you see it? Um, uh, do you see it? You know, the road that, and I call us the, I'll call us the roadside retail um, industry because I think that's a very good phrase to describe what we do now. Um, but do you think the role of the roadside retail industry to create sufficient on-the-go charging infrastructure is absolutely crucial in in terms of, you know, encouraging the EV adoption to be a smooth curve as opposed to um, a disrupted curve? I think we're not there yet, but I think we're we're getting better, and I think the ratio between the growth in EVs and uh, the growth in the charging network is sort of that moving in the right direction. Uh, and consumers' perception of having to stand in, in a queue and waiting for the charge has not increased during the, the past five years. And, and that is actually quite impressive when you look at how much the adoption uh, rate has increased in that same period. So I think we still have a way to go. We're not there yet, uh, neither we or our uh, peers in the industry, but I think at least since... 2019, we I think we have taken uh, big steps in the right direction. And, and Christian, allied to obviously allied to the range, which is super critical, which is clearly uh, increasing. What, how, how do you foresee the kind of because the other part of it is the battery charge time? Hmm. You know, how, how do you see that influencing uh, consumer adoption and network 
um, network uh, development? It's, it's a good question. Uh, I, I don't know. I think uh, most likely uh, we're sort of we're moving from 300 to 400 kilowatts now uh, when we expand uh, next year, uh, like many of our peers. Um, how much higher this will go, I don't know, but uh, I think we're we're coming to the point where sort of the time it takes to charge your car from 20 to 80% is, is sort of not very long. And uh, I think the key is also what we're looking at them uh, is sort of how do you make the most of that, uh, most out of that time uh, yes. during the uh, during the charging time? Uh, uh, absolutely, um, and of course, I guess won't perhaps go into it, but we've got we've got the the opportunity of of truck um, heavy heavy vehicle charging on the go as well, which is something which I know Circle K are are, are pretty mindful of um, in, uh, in 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 key Nordic markets too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And uh, there's a, I think, as we have said uh, to you previously, like we have we have used Norway as a lab for sort of the um, the, um, the development of the of the EV um, charging industry. But uh, for heavy truck charging, uh, we have Sweden leading the way here, uh, and uh, our site uh, in Bärdemotte, just out of uh, outside Gothenburg. Is actually now one of our biggest charging sites in terms of kilowatt hours. So it is it is a uh, significant things are happening also for heavy truck charging. No, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Now, Craig, you mentioned uh, I think you 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 wanted to uh, to us to talk a little bit about uptime charger uptime, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, the, the, so so you know, it's great obviously to hear that. The adoption is 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 clearly increasing. Customer acceptance, you know, the economics are uh, are now getting much better of of the kind of lifetime ownership of a of an EV, um, and that's all helping. But I think for you know for us at Shopwork, so to speak, the really interesting bit is you know once people have got a got an EV and they're out on the go, what's their behaviour going to be, and how is uh, you know how how is Circle K satisfying not only the you know the charging need. But also the the kind of non charging need. What you know historically we've called the the non fuel retail element of uh, of the offer. So so I, I think my first question, and obviously the hot topic, Christian, is always it seems charger uptime. So uh, how, how is that? How, how are you handling that? I should ask. But so we're moving in the right direction, uh, and we have we have taken big steps. Uh, in the in the last twelve months on on this, and um, we are now at a rate of north of ninety six percent in terms of uptime in in Norway, and even higher in Sweden and Denmark, where we have more concentrated on one hundred and fifty kilowatts uh, plus mm. chargers. Uh, so it is it is super important for us. It is uh, both sort of a, a very bad customer experience of uh, having meeting charges that are not functioning and also is sort of a loss of revenue for us. I think we're not there yet. Uh, if we're going to be fully competitive to the to the experience of a fuel customer, uh, we need to be north of 99%. Yeah. So we still have a way to go and that's sort of the long-term ambition to get there. But uh, I think we're moving in the right direction at, at least in terms of time. Well, well, and being very modest, um, because 
to be honest, I mean, obviously, I think you, rightly you have the aspiration for 99%, and I'm sure you'll get there, by the way. Um, but I think, it, you know, it is a massive achievement to get to 96%, you know, especially if you think some of the industry averages, and this is not a, a Circle K number, but if you look at some of the industry averages across all charges available, um, they've been much lower than that, haven't they? And, uh, you know, it seems to me, Craig, that it's a huge point of difference to, you know, to have a very, very reliable EV charging network, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's a super, you know, it's a super important uh, point of difference. And, and the other thing, Dan, and, and, you know, we've seen this coming through the, the research over the years, is, is for a long time, EV drivers felt unloved. You know, the, the charger was not only not working, but it was stuck round the back, not under the canopy. And, and you know, if you drive an EV, you just felt like you were very much a, a second-class citizen. And, and and now that, you know, Circle K are certainly leading the way and starting to embrace those customers, I think it's another, it plays back to what we were discussing earlier, which is the adoption or the customer adoption of EV, because suddenly they start to go, oh, actually, <laughs> people do like us. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, and Chris, Christian, just thinking more broadly at the sort of Circle K e-mobility and the competitive advantage, you know, um, what what else differentiates potentially differentiates Circle K as the leader in electric charging? What what are the other factors that you 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 think about? I think home charging, uh, I think is and will continue to be sort of the the most common way to to charge your your EV, uh, but we're confident, and 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 uh, number shows us that uh, high speed charging will will play a key role going forward, and is playing a key role today. Uh, in Norway, which is a market where more than ninety percent of EV customers have access to their own home charger, forty percent or close to forty percent are still visiting a high speed charging site monthly or more often. So, I think that is a proof that are soon to be 5,000 locations in Europe will play a key role going forward. So then it's a little bit up to us on how do we make the most of it. And um, this is, the, today, it is still not a seamless experience to charge your car. Uh, it's getting easier and easier to find it and you're still sort of standing in line uh, less and less often. But you still need to navigate through a myriad apps. Uh, payment is still something which is uh, not very easy. Getting more and more easy with auto charge and uh, plug and charge, but uh, it is still not fully rolled out. But once we're there and we're confident we'll get there, these factors will become table stakes. So we believe then that the customer will want something more in, it on, uh, in addition to the ability to pay and uh, then having to sit in your car for 20 minutes while your car is charging up, I think uh, is not going to be sufficient. And here, I think our convenience network of stores can play a key role. Our car wash network will play a key role as well, not while you're charging, of course, but uh, then as a total offering. And we see very, very positive numbers. And uh, when we analyze the shopping behavior of our EV customer base. And, and here we have our extra loyalty program where we have 3.4 active members in, in Europe today. And when we analyze the shopping behavior of the EV customers in that program versus the ICE customers, 
to see that the EV customers actually have a higher shopping frequency than the ICE customers. So it's 11% higher. And not only that, they have a higher basket value because they're, they're staying a little bit longer. And there are more frequent car uh, customers. So I think we're not there yet, uh, it's important to say, but we need to get to a place where we're not looking at the EV customer in silo and the fuel customer in silo. We need to look at it sort of from a, from a total value of that customer. And I think, but the ability to offer this, I think is uh, gonna be very important. Uh, so Christian, I was gonna, gonna ask obviously, the, you know, critical to, to get that, um, you know, that they're doing something else apart from charging and also drive the um, basket uh, basket value. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of in terms of this, people getting out of their car, we we see lots of conf not conflicting, but different a huge range. Let's put it that way of what people are doing. You know, you speak to Wawa in the states, and they're saying that their Tesla charging stations only twenty five percent of people get out of the car to do anything. You know, mm -hmm. up, up in the north of England, you know, we have a figure where we know that seventy six percent of people get out of the get out of the car and go into the building. We we don't know what they do when they get in there, but they are then exposed to the to the opportunity of buying something else. Do, do you have a have a feeling for what kind of percentage of people do something? Yeah, yeah, uh, we have uh, we have gone public with those, but uh, what we can say is that uh, we we see higher conversion to store among our EV customers than we do on our okay. fuel customers. Absolutely. Okay, we, which is tremendous. And 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 the other side of the same coin, which I think is quite interesting, is you know. People are starting to think about not just how you get the customer out of their car into the store, but how you get the store to the customer who's sat in sat in their car. And it's not an EV market, but I we always think that the, the best people who do that at the moment are Patronus, who you know they have a really strong in-car offer. Is that something that you're looking at as well? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, so. When we're now moving into continental Europe, we will be present in more markets. I think we uh, we will sort of be a more relevant counterpart to many of the big OEMs uh, going forward. And uh, I think uh, establishing those partnerships and they, what you're talking about, Craig, to have the opportunity to get into the car is uh, something which is absolutely valuable. That is pre-ordering, communicating good offers, etc. That um, uh, that's not uh, sort of we don't have the answer to that, but uh, of course it's very important to get into the car. Yeah, thank you. Very good. Very good. I mean, Christian, one of my reflections, just listening to what you're saying about some of the um, results you, you're having um, uh, with your with your business across Scandinavia and how important the EV is as one component of the offer, um, mm. the Circle K offer. Um, you know, just I mean, this is for me to speculate and for Craig to speculate rather than a question to you, but but I, I, I was interested to see the EV. The, sorry, EG Group move yesterday, and their statement, their clear statement that they're going to invest a lot of the money from that, uh, from that sale of of, um, of uh, you know within with to, to ASDA um, mm. in EV Point, which is their you know which is their brand name for their um, e, e mobility um, uh, on the go charging solution. So you know, and I guess you know to be competitive, um, that's everyone's going to need to do that if they want to if they want to compete as as the mix of EV drivers grows and grows in uh, in many European markets. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it it will 
it will be a key contributor when you're looking at the overall sort of uh, customer profitability. And uh, we saw sort of a very interesting example when we analyzed the car wash uh, business in Denmark a couple of years ago. And we discovered that for every 100 euro a car wash customer spent on car wash, he spent 300 euro in the store, which completely changed sort of the, the business case for attracting a new car wash customer. And, and we see a little bit of that spillover as well on EV. So it will be a key uh, part going forward. Absolutely for us. Yeah. And, and Christian, you, you have a very strong car wash subscription model, don't you? Absolutely. That, that allows people to, you know, and not endless, but, um, you know, re repeat car washing. And, yeah. you know, and, and one thing we're all certain of is that uh, EVs need washing. <laughs> well, they need washing. I mean, I think all the information I've seen and, and is that they need the, the owners do believe that they need washing more <laughs> frequently than uh, than than ice vehicles. I guess they're all new vehicles. Uh, they tend to be newer vehicles, don't they? But certainly, the EV drivers are very proud of their of their tech, aren't they? I mean, I think we need to call it tech as much as we call it a car, um, well, and they like to keep it shiny. Well, Dan, I think you were on a on a Tesla test drive recently, weren't you? <laughs> I was I was I, I was at um yeah I'm trying to remember which event it was at I've been to so many lately but it was a Tesla product launch day of the new Model 3 and I, I got to test drive the the um Tesla Model S Plaid they pronounce it um and it's um an 800 brake horsepower 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds Model S you know mm -hmm. so it's uh I drove it very carefully uh around the streets of of, of sunny Wolverhampton in the in the UK Midlands uh, for about uh, twenty minutes, yeah. So that was that was interesting. Um. Anyway, I digress. Easily done. Um. So just looking ahead, Christian, you know, at the future, um, for for Circle K uh, in e mobility inside the Nordics, but also outside the Nordics. You know, what's what's on the road ahead? Well, I think, uh, we will absolutely continue the journey in Scandinavia. Uh, Sweden and Denmark are growing in uh, sort of ultra pace uh, and have done so over the past couple of years and I believe that that, so that growth will continue in the coming years so we're definitely going to catch as much as possible uh, our fair share of that growth uh, but I would say that Total Energy's acquisition is not just a transaction which per is very good geographically it is a very good transaction time-wise as well. We have now gained very valuable experience as we talked about during the past six years. And we are not at a point where we are ready to scale our operation into continent Europe, into a larger market, use as much as possible of the experience we have. Then of course, and I had the opportunity to meet together with a colleague of mine, uh, our upcoming colleagues in, in Germany, uh, who are super engaged uh, to, to get busy. And uh, so sort of use the best of sort of both teams here to, to accelerate the growth in, in, in Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg. And we, ha we have a good job to do there because uh, what we're taking ownership, ownership of is uh, sort of not too many charges. So I think uh, the ambition is to accelerate that growth. Yeah, very, very good. And uh, well, you know, I, I think it's very impressive. Um, I've, I've thought it's very impressive what Circle K have been doing for many years, and I've been watching it for many years. So, you know, congratulations you. To, to to the team. And, um, you know, um, it's uh, it's onwards and upwards, Craig, don't you think? 
Uh, it's tremendous, and and it's really obviously nice to to talk to um, the the genuine uh, market leader in, in in this area, and 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 that's uh, that's a real privilege. And thank you. Thank Great. you. Great. Thanks for joining us, um, Christian, and um, you know, look forward to to seeing you, you again soon. And Craig, thanks very much for for co-hosting this so eloquently today on the subject of e-mobility. Thank you for listening to Shop Talk Live, the podcast. This episode was produced by Dan Munford and Nick Scherzer with support from Jenna Ferguson and Lorraine Evans. It was produced, edited, and mixed by Carolyn Schneer, and music was provided by Wolfgang Worley. Tune in every other week for new episodes, and please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and learn more at globalconvenienceStorefocus.co.uk.